Hello and welcome to Swana Region Radio, a weekly review of politics and culture, bringing you the voices of the voiceless from Kolkata to Casablanca here on KPFK. I am Ankine Antaram, and I'm a member of the South Asia, West Asia, and Northern Africa or Swana Collective. My guest co-host today is Chris Atamian. Welcome to the show, Chris. Ever since humans started painting hunting scenes on the walls of Paleolithic caves through the Renaissance down to today, art has played a social and political role as well as a purely aesthetic one. Art curators tasked with putting together shows that deliver a cohesive message often organize exhibitions along even more socially conscious themes highlighting a particular social injustice or political issue or helping to raise funds to help a particular cause. Today we speak with artists and curators about their practice of cause with a specific focus on Lebanon. Our guests are Ara Oshagan, he's a photographer, installation artist, and curator of Reflex Space Gallery in Glendale. His books of photographic essay are Displaced and Fatherland. Hannibal Suruji is a painter and chairperson of the art and design department at Lebanese American University in Beirut. And my co-host today, Chris Atamian, is a noted critic, curator, and multi-platform storyteller. He has directed and produced several films and plays, and written and translated six books. Together with Tamar Hovsepian, they are founders of Atamian Hovsepian Creatorial Practice. Chris? Lebanon is multi-ethnic and multicultural, but at the same time it's experienced much conflict and violence in recent years. How does all this shape the art community in Lebanon and its artists? How did they respond to the 2020 Beirut port explosion? And finally, what's it like to live and to create art in a society that has undergone so much trauma over an extended period of time? Yes, thank you. I mean, I'll go back uh, to 2019. There was Thawra, what they call Thawra's revolution. But prior to that, the economy started to collapse. People cannot have access to their own money in the banks. There was a small uh, tax that the government wanted to put on WhatsApp. And then this uh, small uh, incident got the youth to go down to the streets and do the Thawra, uh, the revolution. It was just like the straw that broke the camel's back kind of financial situation. So that opened the door uh, to uh, kind of uh, street art. Lots of street artists came down to the street and started painting on uh, monuments. Uh, it was a peaceful thawra. It was people dancing. But you can see images on the internet. So that uh, opened the door for the youth to just like directly go down to the streets and start uh, painting and uh, not only putting slogans, but sort of expressing themselves. The uh, background of Lebanon I mean, has been very active, uh, young uh, artist community. Uh, everybody knows each other. We all see each other at all the Venisages, although they are like different groups and different uh, galleries uh, people belong to, or they sort of like exhibit at. But what happened in uh, 2019 just uh, started this kind of inner community uh, between artists. Before that, we were like just like, oh, we have to compete or something. And this thing brought uh, artists together more and more. Then uh, the COVID came in, then we had the unfortunate, like, I mean, most worse explosion on the 4th of August, which blew up the half of the city in Beirut. 
The artist community was really hit because they, the galleries are concentrated next to the port area and the whole thing. And that even brought people more together, I mean, artists together. There were shows just like open to at Galerie Janeiro Base, for example. They had shows that opened the, the gallery, not to the elite artists kind of thing, but just anybody who has something to do about the Thora, other galleries like Tanit also open call to young artists. I mean, the galleries as private enterprises, usually they exhibit known artists. There was a need to open the spaces in most of the galleries to expression of the younger artists. Once before the explosion with the Thaura, I mean, the revolution, the peaceful revolution that was taking on, which ended with, with the explosion completely. The explosion also, there was thousands of people injured uh, at least 220 people died in that unfortunate explosion. The art community has changed from a kind of uh, regular Western kind of, uh, I mean, any country, people competing in each other, trying to be the best artists and just to communicate and uh, brought us closer together. Today, with the, the economy also collapsing, I mean, there's a need for students, for young artists. I mean, even between universities, there was this kind of a competition, uh, my students, your students, and now we are trying to get students to meet between universities and the communities are opening up. So the artist community is very active because of the history of Lebanon, especially in the 90s. It was a peaceful period where people could start uh, expressing themselves about memory, about uh, the war. Uh, after 1990, when the hostilities in Lebanon ceased, sort of the artists like took it on their own to talk about uh, the war, to talk about certain activities, and to sort of kind of uh, get people to be interested about what happened, the questioning, where are we going, and many artists still work on these themes. But recently, I mean, the the last three four years have been. Uh, like uh, ex- accelerated, the role of the artists is kind of like this. Uh, the community is not speaking; it's just we are all brought to silence. Uh, there are a few uh, articles in the papers, but most of the contestation and intellectual is going through artists, art community. I've participated in at least three or four sales uh, auctions. We went even to Christie's in Dubai to sell art, to help the Red Cross. We had an exhibition in Beirut. Many artists participated too. There was an exhibition to save the Agenda Culturelle. So, I mean, the Agenda Culturelle is a kind of a cultural non-profit uh, enterprise, private enterprise to like, diffuse information. Uh, there was a, LAU, a couple of LAU fundraising for students and uh, because students' parents cannot pay tuitions and uh, so the artist community has been participating actively in uh, fundraising and uh, contestations and uh, lots of uh, energy going through. But, I mean, we are fighting the whole economical collapse with, uh, with brushes and paintings and installations and videos. And I mean, the role of the artist is more like an activist. Even not like as an uh, activist, like going down to the street. Some some artists are doing that, but some of them intellectually participating in raising the consciousness of or questioning what is happening, where are we going, and this is 
mainly the role of the artist for the past more than 20 years, I think, just after the end of the war. Thank you, Haribo. So you said that uh, the artists have become more like activists. So uh, do you see your role as artists? uh, Should art be actively involved in social criticism? Or do you think that art should be independent of these things and judge on a purely aesthetic level? I don't have a theory. I mean, artists do all kinds of aesthetic. But at the same time, even if they go for an aesthetic approach, I mean, that means what they're saying is, okay, everything's fine. This is like a healing kind of, I mean, if we go for aesthetic work that doesn't do any slogans, it doesn't have any sociopolitical message, uh, blunt or even not blunt, I mean, undergoing. But even if the artists in Lebanon today are doing uh, an aesthetic, only an aesthetic, art for art's sake, or just like pure pleasure of uh, seeing color or working with shape, form, whatever. That, in a way, it is also, for me, a political stance by saying, look, even with all the bad things that are happening around town, uh, we can still think and try to make beautiful things or beauty or think about what art can be and uh, think about what painting can be or what an installation can be or sculpture or video. So even in the worst situation that we are living today, if you go for an aesthetic or a message, direct message, for me, they're both saying something about the situation. I mean, most of the artists have, since the 90s, I mean, the the elder generation after the war, have most of the time dealt with uh, sociopolitical issues in one way or another. And even if it's only aesthetic, like uh, Walid said, the last exhibition, it's very aesthetic. I mean, his exhibition right now is still going on in Beirut. For him, it's like a healing. Okay, we went through the trauma two years ago, the explosion took place, and now we have to go to healing. I was doing that in the 90s. I mean, we said, okay, uh, the war is ended. I have to put something aesthetic. And the aesthetic saying, okay, we should go through healing and go through the trauma some people want to talk about the trauma and they make it a debate and or whatever is happening, like daily, every day there's something going wrong in Lebanon. Some artists take, take the trauma literally, and some artists take the trauma as saying, okay, we had the trauma, we can go, go through it. We had gone through it. We're going through it. I hope we are going through it. I mean, even if you see a painting, dreamlike paintings or a kind of surrealist kind of uh, idealistic situation. It's also talking about the trauma. It's just like escaping the reality that we live because it's very hard. It's very tough and very bleak. You know? We don't see the future. For my generation, uh, I was born in the late 50s. I was 18 when the war started, the civil war in Lebanon in 75. And uh, I thought I mean, we are the burnt generation. The new generation that I came back to teach today, I'm teaching at the, the university I mean, what can I say to them? I call them the no future generation. The only future is just to get out of this country and do your something, do something with your life somewhere else. Because here it's just like no future. Because it's, every day is even worse uh, economically and uh, in general. Now, it is not just creating art, but curating that can be a means of raising awareness, getting involved, supporting cases, supporting causes. Ara, you curate the Reflect Space Gallery in Glendale Central Library. Chris, you and Tamar Hofsepian have started a curatorial practice with a cause. Chris, let's start with you. What is your approach? 
it's kind of <laughs> sad to hear that things have not gotten better in any sense, you know, um, and that seems cyclical. Um, Together with brilliant curator Tamar Hovsepian, we created a Tamian Hovsepian curatorial practice in 2022. We write about and exhibit important contemporary artists. And, and our first goal was just to show kind of underrepresented people like LGBTQ women. I mean, I guess Armenians to a certain extent, Arabs, people that are not necessarily in the forefront yet of the art scene. So that was one way we thought the other way is to partner with other institutions and to curate an exhibit for them, like we're currently doing at Lebanese American University's New York campus. Um, the exhibition at LAU, which is called Art to Learn, Art to Live, goes from the 6th to the 19th. There's a silent auction, and all the proceeds are going to student financial aid and to cancer um, treatment in Lebanon. Student financial aid because it keeps a generation of kids off the street, literally, and then um, chemotherapy is not produced in Lebanon, so the medications have to be bought from the outside, so that requires a lot of money. So that's kind of a second way by participating in these types of things that we hope to contribute. But then there's kind of a third way, which is the kind of guerrilla girls way of being very in-your-face politically active. And, and uh, Ada, you have a new book on Bush Hamoud, which is the neighborhood you grew up in. But you also curate in Glendale, and I think your exhibits always have a very explicit political theme to them. So, or not always, but a lot of them do, either about poverty or integration or discrimination. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about your art and your curating? I know it's hard to do both and kind of how you use art to um, not just make pretty things or not just express yourself, but also contribute. Thank you for having me on this on the show. I curate a small gallery in Glendale, in the, in the Glendale Library, and our whole mission is to curate socially conscious and politically important and a lot of times historically critical kind of themes, and either with certain communities or, or certain historical issues. So to me, it's this kind of relationship between being an artist and curator is always very interesting, and it's been constantly on my mind since I've been creating for the last six or seven years, you know, there's a kind of a overlap. As Hannibal was saying, there are artists doing all kinds of things. But my work is very much has a political and social dimension to it. It has to do a lot with my own history of uh, displacement, multi-generational displacement, as we, as we all know very well, starting with the genocide and multiple shifts from grandfather generation, father generation, and then my generation displacements from Beirut and adapting to a, to a country, the new country. And so those pasts, those ruptures are very much alive in my consciousness. And so to me, I'm kind of, um, my work always surrounds those kinds of issues because those are things that are really still very much alive in my mind, in my consciousness. And as you know, the past is, is never very far from my present and it's all kind of entangled. And when I also think about the future, it's also entangled in my past and my present and the future are all kind of entangled. And the aesthetic dimension is, I think, is also very important. The aesthetic dimension connects with a wider audience. Uh, I think that's very, very critical in our work. I think artwork works at, on multiple levels. And I think a really successful work of art can, needs to work on multiple levels, aesthetic being one of the critical ones, because if something is not aesthetically interesting or engaging, 
it's not going to move you. So whatever political or social issue you're trying to, to speak about, if you don't have the aesthetic dimension to it, people are not going to connect to it. They're not going to be moved by it. They're not going to shift their attitude, which is really what I think our artists and curators were all trying to do is bring work into the world that will shift people's attitudes towards what they already think they thought they knew or something they didn't know about. And so you create a new kind of environment for them to have a new relationship with, with a particular history or a narrative uh, or, or, or a kind of situation. Curation and, and art making are very similar in the sense that you're bringing new work to bring work to visibility, whether it's, it's your own work or the work of other artists and sort of a thematic connection between the work, which is kind of critical to any kind of curatorial work. Uh, and so there is a statement being made of some sort. It could be aesthetic, it could be political, social, or it could be a mix of all of them. Um, so there's a lot of overlap in the process itself. And in many ways, you know, uh, I think we get um, hung up on the idea of authorship where, okay, this is my work. I am authoring it. I am, I am creating it myself, perhaps from zero, creating all of the, everything about it and bringing it around the world. But authorship is also found, a found image is bringing a found image into the world, putting it in a new space, a new environment is also kind of authorship. And so curation is authorship in that way, where you are bringing things together and bringing them to visibility, into a new space, into a new conversation. Uh, very much like I like to use archives in my work, that kind of uh, intervention is authorship also. And you are listening to Swana Region Radio on independent and listener-sponsored KPFK, 90.7 FM Los Angeles, 98.7 FM Santa Barbara, my guests are Ara Oshagan and Halebul Suruji, and my co-host today is Christopher Atamian. So as I was preparing this, I noticed that both of you have lived in the diaspora. Halebul, you returned to Lebanon after many years in the diaspora, and uh, now you live in Lebanon. Ara, you have returned and documented life in Bush Hamwood district um, in your recent book of photography displaced. So both of you have returned in different ways. Uh, both practically and philosophically, uh, what does it mean to return? What is this return? Ara, I mean, I, you still live in the diaspora. Is this return about, I don't know, longing, remembering, maybe even exploring your own identity as sort of a completion of who you are yourself? And uh, is it some kind of exploration? Talk about return, I guess. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely an exploration. And, and I mean, first of all, you can't return. You know, you once once you've left uh, for so many years, especially, and then growing up elsewhere, like you you come, go back physically, but you really can't return. Um, and so there is there is that exploration. So for me, the return had to do very much with the the actual initial leaving, because that flight for us leaving. Uh, running uh, from leaving because of the war um, created a huge rupture for me, for for uh, for my for our communities in Lebanon and, and Armenian communities, and other communities who fled, and and the communities were completely disrupted. My personal history as a familial rupture also happened, and so my and familial as well as personal. So there's multiple ruptures that happen because of that. Um, leaving because of that um, displacement from Beirut. 
And so for me, the return is really crossing back and looking at that rupture in, in, in ways that are um, a lot of times invisible or visible in the work that I did. Um, and so you may consider, okay, so you're going back into the space with the camera for photographing these spaces and um, how are these other issues, for instance, the fact that you left 40 years ago, how has that come into the work? Um, I think it comes in, in in many different ways and, and a lot of times they're subtle and, and, and not so visible. There's this exploration of identity and uh, for instance, the way I approach the subjects, the way I photograph, the way I construct an image has very much to do with my identity, which is very much to do with that rupture and, and being diasporic, being multicultural, uh, if you will, which is kind of an outdated term now, multicultural, but multivalent, transnational, um, you know, and, and knowing multiple languages, multiple ways of life, multiple ways of thinking that, that constantly are shifting in you. And so um, that diasporic experience becomes part of the way I, I return, part of the way I relate to the place that I return to and, and in the very structures, in the structure of what I photograph, not, not what I photograph because I'm photographing a place and a people and, and an urban scape specifically being mostly in Burchamud, but how it's photographed, what is the attitude of, of the picture making process um, and there, there, my own history, my past, my return, all that folds in, into that. Hannibal, something you had said uh, was about, you said that return is sort of a cycle, which is kind of what part of what Ara was saying. You know, it's uh, never a return, but it starts when you leave. About uh, going and coming, yeah, this is a recurrent theme in my work. Uh, once you leave, and you start living from with a suitcase. In my case, it has become a habit to live from a suitcase. I mean, uh, some people, they just like migrate and then they get established. They start a new life. Uh, in my case, it hasn't been the, the case. I mean, that's why I've been always on the move. Uh, we left in 76, went to Cyprus, from Cyprus to London, from London to Montreal, Spent 10 years in Montreal, left to France, in southern France, went back to Montreal, came back to France to live in Paris, 25 years, get married, get a kid, come back in 2010 to Lebanon. Why did I come back? I mean, I mean once you get established, because I was always haunted by the idea of when do I come back to Lebanon? It's like 1975. When do we come back? I had to wait for 15 years. I couldn't come back during the war. It was too much. I was traumatized when we left. So I waited for the, uh, till 1991 to come back to Lebanon to visit. So, and it took me from 91 to 2010 to find a way to be able to survive in Lebanon. Because when we left, we didn't have anything left here. Uh, I mean, we didn't have a house. We, we have family, but we don't have any place. I didn't have a belonging. You know, like, the only belonging was in the sense of memory of what I used to be, where I used to play when I was a kid, uh, in the mountains, on the sea. All these memories were vague uh, after 35 years of uh, exile, if you want. So displacement, of course, is very important. And uh, my uh, artistic production has always been related to this idea of uh, exile and displacement. I mean, you're talking about Armenians being, I mean, my uncle is Armenian. My cousins are half Armenian. 
So they also have the, this kind of uh, half Lebanese, half Armenian. And they're living in France, but at the same time, they always come back, try to find a kind of identity. Where, where do you belong? Uh, I don't know where I belong myself. <laughs> I'm living here and I chose to stay here, actually, even when I had a chance to offer us to go away to teach somewhere else in the United States. I said, no, I wanted to stay because I've lived from the suitcase for such a long time and I uh, get on their feet. So displacement, like uh, Ara was saying, really becomes like a way of living somehow. Uh, it even affected the way I paint. I mean, I have to paint on canvas. I don't make heavy things. Uh, my canvases are free. They don't have wood structures, some of them. Uh, they can be rolled and taken away. <laughs> uh, also, it has affected the way you produce art. Uh, I mean, when you are on the run, you are always moving. So when I had a show in New York, I got there the first time. And the gallerist was asking me, where's, the sh- where's your work? And I can see you here. I said, it's in my backpack. So I had the whole show <laughs> in my backpack. It was basically folded the thing that you just hang on the wall. You adapt to kind of uh, uh, this kind of nomadic uh, life. Chris, you mentioned an art exhibit that all of you are participating in. You and Tamar Hosepian are curating it. Um, explain the causes this art auction and exhibition supports, and also who will be exhibited, and how can people find out more about it? Um, we have 56 artists, and I'm actually amazed at the quality of the work and the diversity. These amazing, you know, Fadi Armad's photography, Lee Frederick's, um, we have this Anas Brehi that looks like a Klimt. It's really beautiful work, and it's philosophically different and genre different as well. So whatever is happening there, somehow the Lebanese people and the Lebanese artists are managing to produce, not just produce, but to produce at a very high level. There's a gorgeous Misak Terzian too. So I want to encourage people to go to the site, to learn about Lebanon, to buy art from our auction and exhibition, and to kind of take part in this process that we're talking about, the kind of things that don't have borders, the producing the art, buying the art, talking about it, being political. Lebanon currently is trying to, but cannot produce chemotherapy medication. So they have to buy it from the outside. So it's very expensive. So you're actually saving lives. And when I say you're saving lives, it's not to put pressure on people, but literally people are dying that don't have access to chemotherapy. And students who don't get financial aid in a country like Lebanon, they end up in the street. Come look at the art. You can go online and also, you know, buy the art through the auction house art scoops, but please participate. And, um, you can go to, uh, you can go to just put in Lebanese American University and then uh, Gala and Art Exhibition, LA in New York. You can go to Art Scoops, which is A-R-T-S-C-O-O-P-S dot com and put in Art to Learn, Art to Live. It's Art to Learn, Art to Live is the name of a combined effort. Or you can go to atamianhosepian.art, A-T-A-M-I-A-N-H-O-V-S-E-P-I-A-N dot art. We also have it under future exhibitions. Um, so you have multiple entry points. And the art, sh- the art exhibition is up for two weeks. Thank you, everyone, for participating. Thank you. Thank you for curating, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. That is all the time we have today. A special thanks to our guests, Ara Oshagan and Halibal Suruji, and my guest co-host, Chris Atamian.
and always thanks to the KPFK Board Ops. An extended version of this show and all our shows can be found as a podcast at Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and Breaker. I'm Ankit Antaram of the South Asia, West Asia, and Northern Africa, or the Suwana Collective, and on behalf of our collective members, thank you for tuning in. See you next week.